Hello, Rivals! Welcome to the latest episode of Game Rivals. I'm your host, Maximilian X, coming to you from the interwebs. We got a lot of news to talk about about these past couple of weeks. Woo! But first, I want to do a little bit of a housekeeping, if that is okay with all of you beautiful people out there. As you have noticed, I have been heading Game Rivals for the past couple of months solo style. And as much as it's fun to do, um, I do miss having a co-host. And I've been looking for uh, for co-hosts for some time now. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there and say, hey, I am looking for a co-host to host this podcast that you're listening to right now, Game Rivals. If, uh, if you have any interest or you think you know someone who might have uh, interest in uh, co-hosting this podcast uh, with me, uh, please feel free to hit me up uh, on Twitter at Maximilian or at Game underscore Rivals underscore uh, or on Instagram at Maximilian underscore X. Um, those are the places that I frequent the most and that's the best way to get in contact with me or email me, email me at GameRivalsFeedback at gmail.com. Um, details for that I will discuss. Uh, if you have any information or any leads or are interested in co-hosting this magnificent podcast with me, um, hopefully on a, on, on a permanent basis or on a semi-permanent basis, either or. I would welcome both options uh, since it's a bi-weekly episode. You don't have to worry about like reaching like absolute deadlines um, and stuff like that. So don't worry about that. Everything is going to be chill. But for now, I will continue to host Game Rivals and tell you about the latest in-gaming news, occasionally talking about what I've been playing. And uh, yeah, I will kind of be doing both of that this week. So uh, stick around for the news and for what I've been playing. But let's not dilly-dally any longer. There's a lot of news to talk about. Let's get into it. Starting, of course, with Summer Game Fest 2023 wrapped up with a neat bow. Where the summer of gaming is just around the corner, people. We're going to be starting off with a bang. Uh, especially if you're a JRPG fan. Let me tell you, JRPG fans this year... Fighting game fans this year, y'all eating good. Y'all eating good. Cause uh, a lot of a lot of stuff got announced at uh, Summer Game Fest, and I want to talk about at least some of the biggest announcements from the Summer Game Fest show. Of course, the show led by, of course, uh, Jeff Keighley, the man with the plan, the man who hosts the Video Game Awards. Yes, that Jeff Keighley. Also hosts Summer Game Fest and, of course, opening night live for Gamescom, which is also going to be this year in August. So look forward to that show as well. But let's start off with uh, some of the highlights of that uh, of that Summerfest game showcase where they showed off a game that I didn't expect that we would see. Um, and I expected that we would get a game from this franchise. Uh, after they announced a remake for it, unfortunately, this remake has been delayed kind of sort of indefinitely. We don't know when it's coming out that uh, as far as, uh, as far as we know, I talked about this before in the last episode, went back to pre-production. So who knows when that's coming out, 
But this is a game that I kind of sort of expected to be the follow-up to that remake. And that is, of course, the new Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, that got announced at the top of the Summer Game Fest Showcase. And it is a 2.5D action platformer, a little bit in the, in the style of Metroid. Um, people are making comparisons to Metroid Dread, of course, because that has been the latest Metroid, 2D Metroid that has been out, and it did really well. People loved Metroid Dread. Um, Shoutouts to, uh, to uh, what are you called again? Mercury Stream? Mercury Steam? Mer Mercury Games? Mercury Steam? Um, for making that game, for developing that game for Nintendo, or with Nintendo, I should say. Um, and uh, yeah, Ubisoft is following suit uh, with Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, which, to be fair, in my opinion, it looks pretty cool. From a gameplay point, stand up, uh, uh, from a gameplay point, it looks pretty cool to me. I am not complaining. I feel like any game that's going to do something a little bit different, well, in this case, even for Prince of Persia, it's not really that different since Prince of Persia got its start on the PC as a 2D, uh, like action, not, not even an action platformer. It's like that it was one of the, one of the first, I think actually the first rotoscoped, uh, video game. So it was very meticulous. Um, it was a very meticulous action combat game with a lot of like environmental puzzles and stuff like that. And this feels, this feels more towards what Metroid Dread is. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are puzzles to solve in this game. We did get some, uh, gameplay, uh, from Ubisoft at their Ubisoft Ford as well, where they talked about it more. And this game is coming out January 18th, 2024. Um, it looks good from the previews that I've seen, that I've heard, that I've read. People are very excited for this game. They're like, oh, yeah, once you play the game, it's like, yeah, it feels it feels good. It feels good. Like, um, I don't know if people didn't expect it to be good, but it feels good to play. Um, so I'm reserving my expectations for that for when it comes out in January. Uh, it looks to be very exciting. It's coming out on, I think, every pod, every console, every platform. Um, yeah, that, you know, so Xbox, PlayStation, uh, Switch. Um, so it's coming out on there. So look forward to that. That looks really cool. Uh, the next thing they showed off was, of course, uh, what they've been teasing leading up to it. Uh, gameplay footage of Mortal Kombat 1, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 Mortal Kombat, it looks brutal, it looks uh, it looks nasty, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> uh, my I myself haven't really played, I think the last one I played was a little bit of uh, a little bit of Mortal Kombat 10 at my cousin's place. But, like, seriously played Mortal Kombat must have been, like, I think Mortal Kombat 2 on the Super Nintendo, which was over 20 years ago. I'm sorry, over 30 years ago now, almost. Jeez, I am old. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 in, it's interesting to see. The cameo system looks pretty interesting because it's, it's not what you would have expected from, like, a Mortal Kombat game. And they implemented it in, it's not like uh, Marvel vs. Capcom where you're like switching characters, right? It's just an assist character that you have that 
can come in and like um can do different things right so you have the ability the the cameo character has the ability to like follow up on a combo that you started um start a combo um help you air juggle or do a finishing blow and that's that's pretty cool so you know like people have played it um you know the previews from that are also people are actually kind of excited for this one a lot of people are saying that it kind of at least in terms of aesthetics and like just the general aesthetic feel of it feels like it's not too much removed from mortal kombat 11 uh except that it's more brighter than mortal kombat 11 and mortal kombat 11 was a lot darker in terms of not just tone but also like environments and stuff like there were a lot of like dimly lit locations and stuff like that and this one has more vibranty locations I, I don't think they've shown off any kind of location that looks you know like dark and like full of death and stuff i mean one of the stations is literally johnny cage is a mansion in like beverly hills um so you know it's not i wouldn't call that full of death and destruction some some might i don't know <laughs> so that looks pretty cool that looks pretty cool they also announced uh there that sean claude van damme um will be in the game as johnny cage and not only that they got him to voice his version of johnny cage because johnny cage was back in the day inspired by sean claude van damme um and it, you, when when you see the character, you're like, oh yeah, that actually kind of makes sense. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, they finally got him. They've apparently been trying to get him to be part of the the part of uh, MK and like have him be a a cameo with a C, not with a K, um, as Johnny Cage. And now they finally got him. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's gonna turn out. Um, the game comes out September 19th. Like I said, fighting game uh fighting game lovers uh fighting game community fighting game community uh people are eating good this year um and we still have tekken to come out and i'm pretty sure that's also scheduled for this year although i don't think we've gotten a fixed date for that just yet um they showed off uh lies of p uh sorry moving on moving on they showed off lies of p which is this uh bloodborne like game um and the, the starring like uh uh like pinocchio in this in this like steampunky world of uh well big hulking automatons trying to kill you and uh, of course he is an automaton and he uh, i think has to like save geppetto or something um so he like gets on a quest and basically that's the game um at least from so far as far as we can can see if you want to experience lies of p they actually did put out a demo for it on uh playstation and xbox and i think pc um i played it um i will say this i have never played bloodborne before so yeah you can expect that it went as well <laughs> as well as that went um because i'm i'm used to more of the souls like style of gameplay um apparently the game has a parry i still haven't found it i've tried it multiple times i still haven't found it but i am learning to play the game a bit more and more i still haven't beaten the demo um but that's fine that's okay 
we learn through experience. Some people take longer than others. I'm one of those people that take longer than others when it comes to souls like games. Uh, so forgive me uh, if this is giving if this is giving me a bit more of a hard uh, a harder uh, challenge than I'm even used to. But you know what? It's fine. Sometimes you need to take on the harder challenges to see what is up with you know what 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 are you what what is your capability of um adapting to a video game and like learning from it and like like and you know getting better at it you know so i will say this it looks really cool i love the aesthetics i love the whole subverting expectations of like story like you know the whole pinocchio he's not a little boy he's a he's a he's a um what's that uh, actor um Dang, what's that actor's name again? Uh, like, very, very famous actor that isn't like a lot of stuff lately. I forget his name. Um, I wanted to say Harry Styles, but Harry Styles is a singer. That's something else. Um, Timothy Chalamet. Thank you. The dude looks like Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Pinocchio does. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I maybe I'm looking into it way too much. That he looks like Timothy Chalamet, but he kind of looks like Timothy Chalamet. Just saying. If for some reason there's a Lies of P live action movie and it stars Timothy Chalamet, I get to say I told you so. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I get to say I told you so. Um, so Lies of P, try the demo for yourself. See how it goes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's coming out September nineteenth. Uh, so you know, look forward to that. That looks really cool. Um, they also showed off something that I was not expecting, uh, a new Sonic game. And it's kind of weird to say that I wasn't expecting it. The reason why I'm saying I wasn't expecting it is because this is a 2D Sonic game. And it's not just any 2D Sonic game. It's a 2D Sonic game that is borrowing heavily from the Sonic Generations aesthetics. And not only that, it is a four-player platformer co-op platformer so you can play with four players at the same time of uh, online co-op i i wouldn't be surprised if there was also couch co-op um you uh yeah you fought off against of course uh, dr eggman and it looks really cool uh they added a bunch of new mechanics uh some pertaining to like when you get a, a chaos emerald um you know when you normally get a chaos emerald in these games uh Nothing happens until you get all seven and then Sonic becomes supersonic. Well, in this game, all the Chaos Emeralds have abilities tied to them for like one time use per stage or something like that. Um, I think one of the one of the abilities that they showed off was that it you can multiply the character that you're playing with. So like you'll have like an ocean of that character like going across the screen and like doing damage. So, yeah, that looked very interesting. Um, and it's called Sonic Superstars. So you get to play as Sonic the Hedgehog, of course. You get to play as Tails, uh, of course. You get to play as Knuckles. But for the, I think for the first time ever since Sonic R, you get to play as classic Amy Rose. Not the current Amy Rose that, you know, like from 3D Sonic games. But the classic Amy Rose from Sega CD uh, uh, from uh, Sonic Sega, uh, from Sonic CD, cheese Louise, uh, words, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it looks pretty cool. It looks pretty interesting. The fact that it's four-player 
multiplayer uh, co-op simultaneously kind of reminds me of new super mario brothers uh wii u and new super mario brothers wii uh to that extent uh i don't know how well they will pull this off but again this is something that we'll have to wait and see until it comes out so that we can actually play it um considering the last thing that they put out was sonic uh origins and now the enhanced version sonic origins plus um which is just a collection of games um i don't know sonic mania is is a is a tough act to follow and since this i think is actually developed internally and not like from a third party developer um we'll see i guess we'll see um sonic team is at it uh so i guess we'll see how that goes um and speaking of seeing how things will go oh my gosh what will stop doing that um speaking of things of sorry the recording went a little bit weird but it, it should be okay now. speaking of things <laughs> gosh damn it. speaking of things uh to look forward to alan wake 2 uh alan wake is back people uh for those that uh love remedies uh uh games uh and loved alan wake alan wake 2 uh remedy saying like this is their first true first survival horror game and it does it does feel a bit more resident evilly i will say that um and they showed off a little bit of the of, uh, of gameplay for it for the first time uh with not alan but uh, the other character you get to play as two characters you play as alan but you also play as this FBI agent called Saga. Um, and uh, yeah, she faces off against a bunch of creepy deer dudes. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's kind of gross. I, it looks interesting enough. Um, it looks very interesting. Uh, and of course, uh, they had Sam Lake on stage. You know, the, the original face model for uh, Max Payne. Who, again, he is cameoing in this game as well. So you get to see Sam Lake's beautiful face in this. <laughs> um, and they talked a little bit more about the gameplay and like how you're going to play with the two characters. Um, apparently, it's it split down the middle, 50-50. So a kind of a little bit like Resident Evil 2 uh, back in the day um, where you split your time between Leon and... G no, not Jill. Uh, Claire. Um I don't know. I don't know why I thought it was Jill. I meant Claire. Claire Redfield. Um, yeah, that looks cool. That looks cool. I have Halloween two coming out October seventeenth. Uh, just didn't make a time for Halloween, of course. So uh, if you wanted, if you wanted to do like a Spooptober thingy, um, you get to do that with Halloween uh, two. Um, they showed off some more stuff. They showed off uh, Banishers: Ghost of New Eden from uh, Don't Nod, which was already announced. But they showed off gameplay for the first time. Um, so Don't Not, Don't Not is, of course, the studio behind the Life is Strange series. And this is their first new title that is not Life is Strange uh, or Life is Strange related. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a fantasy land with, like, supernatural beings and ghosts and specters and creepy ghoulies. And, uh, yeah, you're basically uh, hunting ghosts together. Um and uh yeah it's it's an interesting looking game um of course don't not is always about like powerful storytelling 
and looking at the trailer alone not just the regular not just the first trailer but this trailer as well you you kind of feel you kind of feel for the two characters right because they're they're seemingly lovers um that are trying to you know trying to survive in this world and trying to fight uh yeah fight a essentially kind of like a i don't know like an injustice that happens against them um and trying to reverse whatever it is that happened so it it and it looks good it looks good it looks interesting so yeah look forward to that one um what else uh oh they showed off the uh it's, is it a spin no it's not a spin off it's like a kind of a spin-off prequel thing um for uh the yakuza series so which is now called like a dragon um basically translated from the like the japanese title so it's not like a dragon gaiden which of course guided me side story if you don't know any japanese um the man who erased his name uh this game follows uh our uh our uh our uh best best boy kiryu um as he uh, goes, kind of, sort of undercover in this, like in the in the in the you know in the Yakuza underworld. Um, it is set between uh, Yakuza Six and Yakuza Eight. So, if anybody knows, like Yakuza Six is the last one that he was the main character in. Yakuza Seven, of course, uh, AKA Like a Dragon, um, had a new main protagonist. And in uh, Yakuza 8, uh, he is going to be sharing this spotlight with that protagonist. So it's a really cool looking game. I love me some Kiryu. And it goes back to the roots of the Like a Dragon series, the Yakuza series, where it's a brawler or it's a beat em up. So if you wanted more of that kind of play style and not so much of the RPG style, um, that's something to look forward to. Um, yeah, so they showed off some more Spider-Man 2. Is that correct? Yeah, so they showed off some more Spider-Man 2. And oh my god, Spider-Man 2 looks so cool. I'm, I'm going to be serious. It looks so cool. It, is so, it's so, it looks so cool. And like the voice work is so great. Um, Damn it, what's the voice actor for uh for Spider-Man in this game again? Um Damn it, I forget his name. Um, but man, he delivers a performance that like yo, that that gave me some throwback vibes, man. He he was channeling like 90s Spider-Man animated series, Spider-Man symbiote. Like, I had half a mind, like if they if they went full out because like they showed off some of the the, the villains that are going to be in this game and one of them is shocker and if you know what i'm talking about there's this infamous over this perfectly over acted scene in spider-man the animated series uh where peter parker in the in the symbiote suit is basically going ape 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 caca um trying to catch uh shocker and he like he chases shocker up this bell tower and he and he yells out like this iconic line like uh shocker you can't escape me i will chase you to the ends of the earth but he says it he like yells it in such 
the perfect over-the-top manner that you cannot help but laugh but also feel a little bit threatened by it if you were a shocker you'd be like this dude is freaking nuts i gotta get out of here and like uh yuri lowenthal that's the guy yuri lowenthal is the voice actor for spider-man in the spider-man games um he's reprising his voice uh, his role again in spider-man 2 of course and like he gives that kind of a performance in this new footage and it's like and it's like dude i kind of wish i'd hope someone at um insomniac noticed this performance and kind of went like hey we know that it wasn't part of the original script but what if we put a little easter egg in there where he does the line when he faces shocker in the symbiote suit i swear i would give them like an instant 10 out of 10 unretractable masterpiece like they can have that line in there and like the rest of the game can be like absolute trash i'd still say it's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just it's it's so close to that performance it's ridiculous so you know kudos to him um but yeah the other outside of the gap that of course the game looks great looks amazing looks like you're gonna get some cool new gadgets and abilities um for of course both spider-man um especially since you get to play in the symbiote suit um so you know you get to go completely ham on villains but yeah looking forward to that one uh october 20th 2023 coming on to playstation 5 of course um yes even though i don't have a playstation 5 yet that doesn't mean i'm not looking forward to that game um speaking of games to look forward to they capped off that showcase with something that i did not expect something that i thought they would never do because final fantasy 16 is still not out yet and we're going to talk about final fantasy 16 in a bit but they showed off a new trailer for final fantasy 7 rebirth which is the sequel to final fantasy 7 remake it takes place right after the end of final fantasy 7 remake um it looks pretty cool uh it looks open world ish you get to play with red 13 it looks like they've changed some stuff in the battle mechanics so look forward to seeing them showing that off more in the future uh it's coming to playstation 5 in early 2024 so unfortunately what i was hoping for that it was gonna be gonna be out by holiday this year seems to have split, slipped a little bit but that's again okay because i still don't know in the playstation 5 i hope by that time i do i don't know maybe maybe not we don't know also stuff is getting expensive so forgive me for that one but i am looking forward to that one because it looks really cool um it is it is a very nice looking game <laughs> it's just i just it just i can't stop being impressed by how final fantasy 7 uh rebirth looks it is just i'm 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 pumped for this game like i'm pumped for this game for reals for reals um so that is it for a summer game fest uh in terms of like stuff the biggest stuff that got announced during that showcase they showed off a bunch of other stuff but you can of course uh look back on the vid on the on the v on the vod um on their youtube channel uh which is the game awards channel you can find it there um if you want to see all the other stuff that got announced 
of course you can hit up uh, websites like uh, GameSpot and IGN and stuff like that that have the coverage for this as well. Um, so yeah, those are some the heavy hitting games that were announced uh, during the Summer Game Fest showcase. Um, of course, we had the Microsoft event and then we had the Ubisoft event as well. The Microsoft event uh, showed off a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them uh, because otherwise I would be sitting here for like literally in a couple of hours. Um, a few things of note that they showed off. They showed off uh, Fable, the new Fable. And it like, okay, so let me say this. I think I talked about this the last time, but so before their presentation, they said that everything that was first party that would be shown off was going to be either in engine, in game, or in engine with cutscenes. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of true if you if you look at it in those specific terms. Basically, that means that even if they don't show gameplay, which in some cases they didn't, uh, at least allegedly they didn't, um, it's still in-engine, so it's not like CG. But yeah, like people tend to be very semantic about stuff like that. Anyway, they showed off Fable... It looks interesting uh, that uh, that nerdy guy from uh, from all the uh, what's it called again? The IT crowd, uh, who's in like all the IT crowd memes. Um, he apparently is, was cast in this game, and uh, he does he delivers like the narrative uh, the narration throughout the trailer, and he is in that game like clearly digitized version of him eerily eerily uh, alike um which is either some trickery or not but apparently <laughs> apparently according to uh the fable 4 lead uh nope that is indeed all in game and uh uh an actual play uh, gameplay apparently that they showed off um and uh yeah he's he, he thinks it's funny that People don't think it's real. And eh, I will see. Um, like if he's if you think if he's saying that, oh yeah, this is nah nah. Fable 4 looks like exactly what you see that what you see is what you get. And if that's if that's true, then I will be very impressed to see that. Um, I'd also be impressed to see that it looks like that on Series S, but Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. You seriously doubt that that's going to be the case. Um, they showed off uh, uh, the new Obsidian game as well. Uh, looks interesting. Um, they showed off a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, but that one kind of really stood out the most. And of course, they spent a lot of time on Starfield which uh, had its own direct afterwards where they talk about all the aspects of Starfield, the exploration, the planets, the customization, the customization of your ship, the, the that you can essentially build a fleet, that you can build a crew, that you can build a settlement, um, that you have unique skills and uh, things that you can do. 
fully customizable character creation, um, also a thing that they're touting. The first Bethesda game with the least amount of bugs. I can't believe that that's something that you would have to like boast about, but I mean, well, it's Bioware. Uh, Bi uh, Bioware. It's a. Uh, it's Bethesda, and uh, if you've played Fallout 3, Fallout 4, Fallout 56, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's not something to tout, like, it's an achievement or something, and it's like, if you have to say that this has the least amount of bugs, one, you're admitting that there still be bugs in this game, which, you know what, for a game that's allegedly as big as they're talking about, I can give I can give them a pass on that. And I think most people tend to give them a pass on that because their games are so gigantic most of the time. And for open world games, it's really hard to like squash all the bugs before shipping. I mean as long as it's not a game breaking bug, right? But we're talking about bugs that can potentially break the game. Um yeah, so that looked that 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 looked interesting. Again, it's coming out on Game Pass. So, you know, if you have a Game Pass subscription or Game Pass Ultimate subscription, I still say like give it a try, right? Even if you're not interested, just give it a try. Right? It's not costing you anything extra to try it if you have Game Pass. If you don't have Game Pass, yeah, just wait until the reviews come out and see how people talk about it after the fact. But if you have Game Pass, honestly, it doesn't really matter unless the game is absolutely and completely unplayable. Um, which it doesn't look like it will, it will be unplayable. It looks like an actual existing game with full of features. Um, maybe not everybody that agrees with how it looks. But you know what? That is, that is Bethesda's style. Um, and yeah, unless they hire someone to change their, their style... It, it, it's not going to change that much anytime soon. So I don't think we should really worry about that that much. Um, so that looked pretty cool. And then, of course, we had the Ubisoft Forward, which showed off a bunch of Ubisoft stuff. Of course, we've talked about Prince of Persia. Um, they showed off a bunch of Assassin's Creed stuff. Assassin's Creed VR, pass. Um, they showed off Mirage some more, which it really gives me, like, OG... Uh, Assassin's Creed vibes and yeah I don't know that depends on how you feel about Assassin's Creed 1 <laughs> if you're gonna like this game or not um, and this game is coming out relatively soon it's coming out this year I think it's coming out in a couple of months I don't remember the date I don't have it in front of me right now but yeah that's coming out relatively soon um, they showed off a bunch of other stuff and one of the things that they showed off that I was not expecting but it was rumored um, is that they showed off a Star Wars game. Star Wars out, out, uh, gosh darn it, I'm so bad with games, names, not games. I mean, I tend to also be not great with games sometimes, depending on the game. Um, Outlaws, I was going to say Out Warriors, I don't know why. Um, yeah, Star Wars Outlaw, Outlaws looks really cool, which... First of all, I was not expecting that. Um, second of all, I wasn't expecting them to show this at all because I 
thought it was still relatively in early stages, but no, no, this this game looks pretty good, and it's uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's supposed to come out next year in twenty twenty four on uh, all consoles except for Switch, and uh, yeah, it looks really good. It looks really good. They showed off some gameplay. They showed off. They did a, like a developer interview and stuff like that. But it looked really cool. It looked really cool. Um, they also showed off uh, the new crew that was leaked, uh, Crew Motor Fest. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looks a lot like a Forza Horizons. Not gonna lie. Um, I guess for the, the gearheads among us that like that kind of like driving experience, that's pretty good for them. I'm still one of those people that are like, you know what? I kind of wish we would get like a proper follow-up to uh, Burnout Paradise. We still haven't gotten anything remotely close to that, but that's just me, right? That's just me. I'm just being an old fuddy-duddy when I mention stuff like this. Um, outside of that, they showed off the the division on mobile. Uh, we know we've been we've known about this for a while and they showed it off for the first time. And yeah, I mean it's the division on mobile and it's it doesn't look half bad for something that's on mobile, to be honest. Um, so that's cool. They also showed off uh, Assassin's Creed Part of Jade, which is the mobile game for Assassin's Creed set in China. A little bit disappointing that's a mobile game because I know that a lot of people were looking forward to an Assassin's Creed that is set in China as like a main game. And uh, we're not, we're getting that, but not in the way that people hoped for. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the big things that they announced at Ubisoft. Um, they showed off some other smaller things, but, uh, yeah i mean it looks it looks cool um wait did i say what yeah 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 i talked about star wars so yeah star wars crazy i hope they can pull it off so far from what from what i've seen it looks pretty cool considering that you're playing a bounty hunter and not you know like a jedi um and at first i was like oh no is this are they chasing the the out the star wars 13 13 13 vibes nope 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 they're not it's apparently an open world game so it's not set in like a dank hole in a planet um so yeah that, at the very least that's interesting so uh yeah looking forward to seeing how that goes um oh one little tit tidbit that i did miss uh that they announced at the microsoft showcase is that they were like, oh yeah, we have heard your complaints about storage uh, lacking on Series S. So they announced a black Xbox Series S with one terabyte SSD, which I'm like, no, that's dumb. Why would you just not make the one terabyte SSD expansion cheaper? Because at least then it makes it more viable for current Series S owners to get it instead of constantly downloading and removing games from the hard drive which i'm forced to do right now um great for those that have yet to get a series s this thing does come in at a hot 350 bucks 
So, yeah, your mileage may vary on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that is kind of it. Uh, I do want to talk about a few more other new stuff um, that was announced. Uh, some big stuff. First of all, y'all guys remember Microsoft and the Activision Blizzard merger that they announced that they wanted to do for $69 billion. Yeah, so remember how in the UK that deal got blocked because um, they, they didn't feel like... Microsoft should have a monopoly on, of all things, cloud gaming. Um, interesting. Um, interesting that they blocked it on that, sure. But now the FTC in the US, who tried to, uh, who are suing uh, Microsoft for this merger, have now uh, been, have now blocked, uh, are now trying to block the the merger outright they're trying to block the merger outright from ever happening so yeah that's gonna be interesting um to see because when uh when they got blocked in the uk bobby kotick opened his big stupid mouth and was like oh well that's a shame that you blocked us here if you're not gonna let us do this merger i guess we'll have to take our business elsewhere i.e you won't get activision games in the uk anymore and we're still gonna do the merger neener 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 oh my god i i've said it so many times i don't want to rant about it again but bobby cottage should just shut up like he that man should never speak in public that dude is just bad news all around and he is not making a great case uh, for the merger. So, you know what? Kudos, FTC, for blocking Microsoft from buying Activision, trying to block Microsoft from buying Activision. Um, because I don't know if it's going to make that company better, those companies better. I don't know if it, it'll, it means that the developers will actually be treated with the respect that they deserve. I don't know. And a lot of people don't know. And Bobby Kotick will still apparently stick around after the merger. So you know what? That still is kind of scummy, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, um, he does not get to like profit from this stuff. Like he can, uh, yeah, he can go suck on a lemon. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens, right? Because yeah, it's it's crazy. It's 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 crazy that that it had to come to this. Um, you know what? Speaking that speaking of uh, acquisitions, we have to talk about acquisitions. And if we're talking about acquisitions, we have to talk about Embracer Group, who, like, for the past what five to five five years or so, five ten years, have been buying up studios right, left, and center, uh, smaller studios, medium studios, um, and uh, they bought so many studios, like. The biggest purchase that they've done, one of the biggest purchases that they that they did was recently last year when they bought Crystal Dynamics and, uh, and uh, Idos Montreal uh, and a bunch of other Western developers that Square Enix once owned, uh, now owned by Embracer Group, uh, and they sold it for a, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, a Paul 3, $300 million. 
Uh, I say paltry because we still have deals like the Bethesda deal that was like $7.9 billion or something like that. And then, of course, like the will-they-won't-they they, um, merger of Activision Blizzard, uh, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft for 69 And, of course, uh, Bungie being bought for also like $7 billion or something like that. So, yeah. Um, compared to $300 million, pittance for studios that have produced excellent games uh for the most part uh <laughs> for the most part uh yeah that embracer group yeah they're apparently going to be downsizing uh because apparently they had a two billion uh dollar contract uh deal that fell through and because of that uh they won't be able to afford uh, a bunch of their studios a bunch of the their game projects um so they'll be closing studios canceling games and laying off people that is very unfortunate um at least crystal dynamics is not closing for now um and uh they get to still work on tomb raider for now because i think they're working on some tomb raider stuff um and they are helping with perfect dark which is interesting um that is still going on um they're also uh apparently uh, at one of the embracer group studios working on a bunch of uh lord of the rings uh titles because apparently they're putting all their eggs in one basket like ubisoft for some reason um and it kind of really sucks we don't at this point in time we don't know how many uh how many people are going to get laid off i mean studios are going to get closed the only thing that we do know is that crystal dynamics uh should be safe for now um and i'm assuming the dead island 2 developers are safe for now we don't know what's gonna get close we don't know which uh which studios are gonna disappear they own a lot of studios um they own gearbox they own thq nordic they own dark horse media uh, or like you said, Crystal Dynamics, Idos Montreal, Deep Silver Cheese. Like, they own way too much stuff, by the way. Um, yeah, so it kind of sucks that just because a deal didn't go through, now a lot of people have to suffer for other people's mistakes. Um, but yeah, that is that is the name of the game when it comes to acquisitions. And uh, yeah, this sucks. This, this, this one kind of really stings. Um, speaking of stinging fans, um, I'm not saying that I'm a fan of like Embracer Group or something, anything like that, but more like fans of uh, Overwatch 2. Like, it's not bad enough that they have to cancel the uh, the PVE hero mode um, after toiling at it for I want to say what at least three years. And not apparently not getting anywhere good enough for them to continue putting in the effort. Um, they did say that they were going to do some PVE story-related stuff, just not hero mode. Um, well, they, uh, the cat's out of the bag now. So the, uh, the story missions for the PVE stuff that they are releasing, yeah, um, not free, cost 15 bucks. I am so wishing I was kidding. Um, but yeah, it's, it's for three, it's for three story missions 
which is like it's an a la carte thing so basically when you buy it that's it you don't have to like rebuy them or whatever um and uh it's just wait it's like so first of all you take away the thing that people want truly wanted and then you re like you you bring out the other half and people still have to pay for it and it's like it's just for story missions which is mm, at least with the hero mode like if they sold the hero mode separately that'd be fine if it was a separate game but it's a part of like overwatch 2 and uh, i don't know this one is so it does come with a bunch of stuff but uh, like it comes with like permanent access to the missions it comes with uh a thousand overwatch coins which is like their premium stuff uh brand new legendary skin for sojourn uh permanent access to sojourn as a payable hero characters for new players unlocked upon completing the story mission challenges is i don't know if this is something up your alley i mean i don't play overwatch 2 so i i don't play overwatch 2 and i still feel like like overwatch fans are just getting the raw end of the deal here and uh yeah that's that's just not cool uh, i know business is business but sometimes you know business uh business can't always be business you, you gotta be in the business of people and uh it just sucks when they do stuff like that um yeah outside of that uh what else did i wanted to talk about ah right yeah um speaking of uh jabating uh, your player base <laughs> gda online uh removed uh 180 plus cars that were available to anybody that played gda online um uh, and then brought some of them back but behind a paywall for gta plus which is like this membership thing for gta online um and that's the only way you can get some of those cars now. And it's like, wait, but you can also earn them by playing the game, like for a ridiculous amount of time and like, you know, like spending more money because, you know, that's, that's what, that's, that's how you treat your fans for years and years and years. Right. Um, apparently this was part of their San Andreas mercenaries update. Um, so, you know, great way to celebrate an update. <laughs> by taking away a bunch of cars that people could just access whenever they needed to and now they can't if you already owned the game the, the cars um prior to the update then you can still use those cars that you bought but if you're like new to the game or you, you just recently got into it and you were looking forward to like getting one of those cars that they removed or put behind the paywall of gta plus I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. Um, my heart goes out to you. Um, oh, geez. Okay. Uh, a few more things that I want to talk about uh, before we go into what I've been playing. Uh, PlayStation 5 uh, might be getting some game streaming. Um, Sony has announced that it's plans to roll out uh, cloud streaming for a, a select few of PlayStation 5 games uh, for people that have the uh, PlayStation Plus Premium subscription, which interesting. Uh, basically, it means that if you 
instead of like the the game trials you'd be able to play full playstation 5 games streamed um from the cloud um instead of you know having to download a game uh to your system which is interesting because they're still not doing the the they're still not doing the day one stuff that game pass does but they are trying to be more aggressive in the cloud gaming space um and i guess this is part of it it's interesting uh i guess we'll wait and see how that goes it's kind of funny that they're doing that and they still haven't given us a single playstation 2 title which is supposed to be part of the playstation plus extra tier and higher um so yeah it's like no sorry i mean playstation premium sorry so it's like playstation premium you can play playstation one games but you can't play playstation two games which they promised that was gonna happen it's still not here so like what's the deal um yeah outside of that um i already talked about the impraiser stuff yeah i think uh outside of that uh yeah i think that is it that's all the news that is fit well i mean i have one more but it's not really that interesting um actually two things because the i got one breaking news stuff in another um not not so much breaking news stuff but uh one breaking news is that if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out there may or may not have been a nintendo direct it could also be that it's a week later um but the rumors are strong and swirling for this one so who knows uh, maybe by the time that you've listened to this episode, it has already gone out. Um, and uh, they may, may or may not have announced some interesting stuff there. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to announce. The only thing that they've shown so far that's coming out soon is everybody want to switch. And they haven't shown... They've shown only one screenshot of the game. One. And we still don't know what it's about. I guess it's just more want to switch uh it does seem to be like a budget title so there's that uh and the other um and the other thing is uh so apparently american truck simulator has been uh getting some real in in in-game ads from trucker companies (laughs) looking to hire truckers um so yeah, just a little something lighthearted there for you there. Yeah, so apparently they are buying ad space in American Truck Simulator. <laughs> We're trying to recruit people to become actual American truckers uh, because there's been a shortage of truck drivers in the trucking industry, in the, U- in the U.S. particularly, um, for some time now. And I guess they thought that this would be a good way to recruit people. Um, from, hey, we can see that you're enjoying american truck truck simulator um maybe you want to do the real thing and actually earn some uh mucho, mucho dolorinos <laughs> uh for it as well um i don't know if it's mucho or not but you know the, the earning dolorinos is by doing the real thing instead of the pretend um yeah i mean hey sometimes desperate measures man desperate times call for desperate measures um 
<laughs> and on that funny note, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'll be doing some what I've been playing. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Tears of the Kingdom because guess what? I beat it. Stick around. Exactly. And welcome back to Game Rivals, and we're back with what I've been playing. So, as you all know, I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom for the past month now, since its release. And I've been streaming it, of course, on my Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Maximilian underscore X. Uh, if you want to catch me there live, I stream every Tuesday and Thursday from 8 p.m. Central European Summertime. Um, <laughs> little little shout out there uh, for the Twitch. But yeah, um, Tears of the Kingdom. I wanted to talk a bit about it. Um, I'm, tr I'm going to try and be as little spoilery as I possibly can. I beat the game. It took me, from what I can tell, from the hero's path. Um, probably a little over uh, maybe maybe 100 hours, um, maybe more. Um, it was an experience, to say the least. Um, not only because I've played, of course, Breath of the Wild uh, like crazy back when it came out and back when the DLC came out. Um, shout outs to the Zero Cycle. Love that. Love that awesome bike. Um, wish we had it, but you know what? It's fine. You can build your own. Um, it, it's it, like... <laughs> this is this game is literally the but we have McDonald's at home of um, open world games, and it's not I'm not dinging the game. If I'm more referring to the ultra hand ability, so the ability to build stuff in the game, it is insane. I if I even haven't I myself personally haven't scratched the surface of this ability, but the things that I've seen people build. And Tears of the Kingdom, just, I think I talked about it the last time when I talked about this, like, a month ago. And it is insane, people. It is crazy what you can do. I've seen people building Metal Gears in Tears of the Kingdom. I've seen people make honest-to-goodness, like, rotisserie chicken dispensers, um, like... Yeah, like essentially a room where they put chicken in or, you know, like poultry in. Uh, they cook them with like spinning lasers and out of a conveyor belt comes like a readily made roasted, like roasted chicken. Fully cooked. It's so crazy. <laughs> I've also seen my fair share of death machines, torture machines and straight up war crimes that people commit in this game. Straight up war crimes. Um, and yes, I will not stop saying that because it, it is true. Like if these if this was the if that was the real world and people were doing what they were doing in Tears of the Kingdom to actual people, it would be considered war crimes. <laughs> uh, but since you're just mostly torturing, you know, bokoblins and moblins and Koroks, um, yeah, that is 
I still haven't done that. I, I, I accidentally, accidentally dropped a Korok off a mountain, and I do mean accidentally, um, because I thought it would. I, I, I thought I would put him like on like a on, on like a log flume and like have him ride down the mountain. Then he like uh, didn't. Um, so you know, it wasn't. It was. It, it, it wasn't on purpose to to say it like that. Um, believe me, don't believe me. I don't care. <laughs> but after beating Tears of the Kingdom, um, I just looked at this game, and I have to say, at least for, like from all the aspects that you can possibly imagine when it comes to like at least Breath of the Wild, right? Breath of the Wild was this. I still feel like a revolution i feel like it was a revolution in open world gaming that no other game has been able to replicate or um like make their own right because that's kind of what you're hoping for it's not just copy paste like certain games looking at you genshin impact uh who just literally copy like abilities and stuff like the gliding and like the wall climbing, uh, um, the wall climbing, how that works verbatim, essentially. Um, and it's kind of sad because like they're the only ones that have actually at least tried to do something similar in terms of traversal um, a la Breath of the Wild. And I honestly felt that after the success of Breath of the Wild, more developers would try to chase that dragon i think the closest thing we got was immortals phoenix rising and even that still doesn't feel the same it does really feel like something very ubisoft which i guess is a good thing um instead of just straight up copying and that's fine but i don't and yeah immortals phoenix rising was received well as a game and I'm really happy for that because at least it's not another freaking Assassin's Creed game. Um, and yeah, it's just like, how do I explain this the best way? It feels like Breath of the Wild was, Breath of the Wild had a very specific goal, right? The goal for Breath of the Wild was an open, as Nintendo would say, an open air game. So it's wide open. You can go wherever you want. You can do essentially anything in whatever order you want. Heck, you can go to Ganondorf right away or Calamity Ganon right, right away. And, uh, you know, people have done that for speedruns and stuff like that. And that's really cool. But the thing that people tended to complain about the most is that they didn't feel like there was a lot to do in this world. And they were, I mean, they were right, but this was a purposeful design from a story perspective because you know the calamity have like almost happened and zelda ends up ends up like um fighting calamity ganon for over a hundred years while link recuperates in the regeneration chamber for a hundred years right so um a lot of the population has been decimated uh the population that is there um counts itself as the lucky few uh, over the past hundred years um and yeah it's like you have a few monsters because again the calamity didn't fully take place but just enough for the monsters to show up and for the guardians to go haywire um 
but yeah, like you feel you feel that sense of you you feel that sense of you know like the kingdom being reclaimed by nature, um, and there's like a lot of nature in in Breath of the Wild. And of course, you still have you know the divine beast that you have to go to, and you have to do the puzzles there. And of course, you have all the shrines in the first game. And you know, some some people loved it, some people hated it. Um, particularly the fact that there weren't like true dungeons because people didn't feel like the divine beasts were true dungeons. And um, I mean, playing Tears of the Kingdom. Here's the thing, right? So. Like I said, in terms of like trying to be true to the narrative, Breath of the Wild is more barren. Whereas, as a direct sequel to positive events after the events of uh, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom feels way more alive. There's way more stuff to do. There is way more interactivity. Uh, you can't walk around far enough and and then not come across people. Uh, settlement uh, and enemies, in particular, and in particular enemies, and the new landmarks, of course, in the world of Hyrule. Um, not to mention, of course, the sky islands above and uh, the depths below. So, where Breath of the Wild felt open and free, despite the fact that Tears of the Kingdom has the sky islands. It feels way more dense, right? It feels way more dense for especially Hyrule itself feels more dense. Then you have the depths, which is like just a whole new Hyrule map, but then underground. And it spans the entire kingdom. It spans the entire kingdom from Garuda Desert to Death Mountain and all the other corners of Hyrule. Um it is vast. There are more deadly and more dangerous enemies down there. And there are more puzzles and quests to solve down there as well. Um, you do also run across uh, one, uh, in quotes, nemesis <laughs> there um, that you didn't, at least I didn't expect that. Um, I didn't expect that we'd see this person again. But uh, lo and behold, uh, this person came back like a boomerang. Um, I don't know why, uh, but yeah, back. <laughs> if you know, you know. Again, trying to not spoil stuff. And yeah, so I played through the game. Of course, I took my time, partially because I was streaming it and I wanted to do like all the highlights of like the story beats as much as possible on stream. A few things I wasn't, be able to, wasn't able to do on stream, like uh, when I got the Master Sword, um, Spoilers to get the Master Sword. So, um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of other story-related stuff um, that I was unfortunately not able to stream. But when I say this, I say this with all sincerity. It Tears of the Kingdom hit differently when it came to the story. Because the story was, for one, told better. It was way more interesting than, oh, yeah, um... 100 years have passed. Not to say that it's not interesting. It's just like Link truly becomes the audience proxy in Breath of the Wild. In Tears of the Kingdom, still is because he's a silent protagonist. And that's kind of the point. But 
you feel, especially from interacting with the characters in the game, you feel like Link is a known entity at this point, truly a known entity, not unlike Breath of the Wild. Uh, people know him, you know, they, lo they know Zelda, and, you know, they've been, they've been busy reconstructing Hyrule, of course, after the feeling calam calamity Ganon and feeling good about, about themselves and feeling responsible, of course. And, like, when you go on this journey, when you start this journey, you start to learn more and more about how uh, Zelda in particular, not just Link, but Zelda in particular, goes around Hyrule and, like, helps with the reconstruction of Hyrule itself. Um, I'm still confused as to why on earth she still lets herself be called the princess. She's the only member of the monarchy um, that is not around. So, yeah, why not just straight up call yourself a queen? Um, you can still do the things that you want to do. You don't need to be a princess to do that. It's just a title. And it's just like you learn so much more about what Zelda did that has done uh, leading up to this game and of course what she does in the story in the context of tears of the kingdom um and you realize that by far uh maybe out i don't know I even, yeah no is there i want to know i don't i don't know maybe it's just me I don't know, but I feel like this Zelda is probably by far the best and most proactive Zelda from all the different iterations of Zelda. Um, because, yeah, I mean, you still have, like, the likes of Tetra, but, you know, didn't find out that she was a princess until after the fact, or at least a descendant of, like, Princess Zelda until after the fact. Um, the Twilight Princess Zelda... Although, you know, proactive in her own way, um, still doesn't really do a lot. Not because she doesn't want to, but because she can't, right? And, I mean, if we talk about all the other Zeldas, um, the same thing kind of follows. Uh, kind of in that pattern, maybe with the exception of Skyward Sword Zelda. But Skyward Sword Zelda has her own, like, spoilerific story thing that I won't discuss here. If you haven't played it yet, and you're going to be like, but it came out on the Wii, yeah, but it also came out on Switch. And I'm sure a lot of people haven't touched the remake as well from that. And might be looking forward to it, so I'm not going to spoil it here. But yeah, so... Mm, that Zelda was also interesting, but more in the sense of that she was more interestingly, interestingly written than that she was actually an interesting character. Um, this Zelda, you really feel like... You really feel like she she was the proactive Zelda. She's the proactive princess. And you got hints of that, of course, in Breath of the Wild with the flashback memories. Um, because she wasn't able to activate her, like, sealing powers, right? And... Yeah, you can feel that. You can feel that proactive Zelda in this game, in the story, and like the interactions with the characters, how they speak of her. And you just get that sense of, I don't know, maybe part of me did feel like a sense of like, oh, wow, they actually made Zelda interesting, and I love it, and I'm here for it. Um, 
but I, how do I say this without spoiling anything? I mean, it's not really spoiling anything, but maybe the feel of it, the, yeah, slight spoilers, but she feels like the, the tragedy of Zelda feels more tangible in Tears of the Kingdom. And they do really go out of their way to like flesh Zelda out as a character so much more in this game than I actually expected them to do. And that's really cool. Um, I love that, that they did that. So I, I appreciate that. I respect that. So great. Excellent. Um, so much more cutscenes. So much more voiceover work. It's crazy, by the way. Um, yeah, so I beat the game. I did the, I did the temples. I will say this though. Um, yeah, some, some of the stuff you will expect that, you know, you go to the four regions, of course. Um, I gotta talk about this one a little bit. So spoilers for, uh, Zora domain, but, um, for the next like two, three minutes, but they did Sidon, Prince Sidon dirty in this game like remember the bromance levels of fan art that people made of prince sidon and and link yeah i don't think they're gonna do that as much for this game unless they're doing it for the nostalgia's sake of that it was a thing that people did back in 2017 and 2018 they might still do that but i don't think they're gonna go as hard because at least from a story standpoint or from a gameplay standpoint, they really do side on kind of dirty in my opinion. Um, by far my favorite, my favorite thing, uh, but by, by far not my favorite, my most favorite interactions. They do some cool stuff with side on story wise, but still, I don't know. It, it felt kind of weak to me that part. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know what? Actually, screw it. From this point on, I'm going to do some light spoilers because I want to talk about some stuff. Um, so if you don't want to listen to that, you can skip to like the last uh, three minutes of the podcast um, because I'm going to be talking some slight spoilers. So, um, yeah, the Zora Domain has cool mechanics to basically get to the temple uh that is situated in that region right some like low gravity stuff and it looks really cool and it feels really cool and it feels like really fun to traverse um there are places in this uh in the sky that have similar mechanics or not similar but the same mechanics for puzzles on certain islands and i really do like those because it's really cool because you can it feels like you're on the moon um uh, or at least that I, I assume that's how it would feel like if you're on the moon. And it looks that way and it feels that way when you're like playing around this link and like jumping around like in like this almost weightless manner, um, just in a super low gravity environment. It's super cool, super fun. But if I were to say that if that part was the best one, no. So there are, f- you know, we're talking light spoilers, right? So there are five temples in this game um five-ish temples in this game and 
I I don't want to do this, but I think I kind of rank the Zora Domain one probably among one of the lower ones, um, which is kind of funny because the fifth one is kind of sort of the temple and kind of sort of not. It's 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 weird and it's weird and different. It's weird and interesting. But if I had to like say like my favorite one had to be the one the the wind the wind temple above Rito Village. Um, because you basically have a boss fight in the sky and yeah you have to like you're in constant free fall doing this boss battle and it's so such an amazing such an amazing battle to do it's like oh my god i love it so much um then you have like the thunder temple in like gerudo desert um which is the first one that i did and uh i gotta say that uh that goma battle is so hard especially since it was the first one i think if i were to do it now again since i know how this you know this boss is i could do it a lot more easier i know what the weaknesses are and i have you know better access to better equipment um the most the most basic boss battle has to be the one for the fire temple. Um, also, I kind of... So the, the boss in the fire temple takes place in the depths. And I think this is the only one where the boss, bat, the boss battle takes place in the depths. And the temple itself was, to me was so annoying that I just gave up on it and I just cheesed the whole temple by creating a uh, air cycle with two fans and a controller like angled in a way, in a specific way that it revens resembles uh, an air cycle. And I just flew to like all the like locks and like uh, and did the unlocking thing that I needed to do. Uh, in those places to you know get to the boss and i would i have to be honest that that was that temp i did not like that temple at all <laughs> that that temple was i i don't like it's cool when you're playing through it the first time it's like oh yeah you're doing minecart stuff and the minecart stuff is fun i will not deny that playing in minecarts is fun um doing minecart puzzles not as fun so yeah <laughs> minecart puzzles not as fun as doing minecart combat um but that's just me you know like i'm sure other people did it just fine i ended up so frustrated that i just cheesed the whole uh that i just cheesed the whole temple so that i could get to the boss real quick the boss battle was fine um nothing nothing too nothing too interesting uh the pretty straightforward battle actually quite that one's a pretty straightforward battle and uh yeah like i said you do get the the master sword back um and like you can get the master sword back in apparently two different ways and i got it in a way that did not require me to like get into like any specific like challenge other than obtaining the master sword and the way you find out about how you get the master sword back 
and what had to happen. I kind of wish I was streaming that so my like reaction was captured because when I found out I was like just like I was almost close to being heartbroken. It was so portrayed so so well and so like yeah it it touched it's touched me. Okay? It touched me. Yeah, I'm a big baby. It touched me. <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't I didn't cry or anything, but gosh darn it, like they needed to push a few more buttons and I probably would be weeping if if they did. And it also ties back to like when you finally face off against the demon King Ganon. And oh my god, this guy. What a Chad. Now I mean seriously, like what a Chad. What an absolute chad um he, he just does not give a flying heap um the boss bat like the moments leading up to the boss battle um are interesting enough um there's a lot of enemies that you have to face beforehand um they do some really cool stuff with um with the sages and uh, from at least from what I from what I heard after the fact, so this is a little bit more spoilery. Um, you can uh, like it, well, it's not really a spoiler because it, they, I think they said so um, when the game came out that you can also like Breath of the Wild cheese it straight to Ganon, Ganondorf. Um, and if you've played Breath of the Wild, you know what that means. That means that any major bosses that you skip. Um, you have to face off against them before you face off against Ganondorf uh, if you just cheese it and go straight for him. Whereas if you do all the temples that you need to do, um, you don't have to do that and you get to face off against Ganondorf right away. And uh, yeah, that dude is a bad Bama Jamma. That dude is a bad Bama Jamma. He, um, he really comes over very menacingly. And the ending is just so well earned and so cool. Um, I was so happy and very satisfied when I beat the game. Um, and like I've had this debate with some people. And at the end of the day, if you haven't played Breath of the Wild, honestly, that's fine. I would say skip Breath of the Wild. Just uh, watch the official recap of the Breath of the Wild story on Nintendo's YouTube channel and jump straight into Tears of the Kingdom. Because I will say this. If you play Breath of the Wild and then play Tears of the Kingdom, you're going to regret your time in Breath of the Wild because you're going to feel like you've wasted your time in Breath of the Wild because there was a better game out there called Tears of the Kingdom. And... Yeah, I am saying that Tears of the Kingdom is a better game than Breath of the Wild. Despite the fact that Breath of the Wild... Like, Tears of the Kingdom could not exist without Breath of the Wild. And I'm not saying that Breath of the Wild is a bad game. Not by a long shot. Both of them are masterpieces in their own way. It's just that one masterpiece was able to iterate and improve upon uh, another masterpiece. And yes, there are still some things that people might will get irked about. Yes, there are still weapon breakages. 
um, but that's what the fusion system is for. Yes, um, you still don't necessarily get guided. You get a little bit more guided in this game, but it's still pretty much do whatever you want, go wherever you want, and do it in whatever order you feel like. So in that sense, the open, the open air philosophy of Breath of the Wild is still very much alive and well in Tears of the Kingdom, probably even more so, despite the fact that it's densely packed with stuff to do. Um, like I said, the Koroks are back, and it is the same nonsense. So if you're into that, more power to you. Um, yeah. The only thing I can say is, if you haven't picked up Tears of the Kingdom yet, I recommend that you do. I recommend that you do and do what I did and take at least a week off so that you get you can get to know Tears of the Kingdom. You can also just bum rush to it. You know, it's again, it's your decision. Um, but that's just my solemn advice as one rival to another, one game rival to another. Um, you know, like take some time to like really get to know Tears of the Kingdom and just like and just soak it in, soak in the experience, play it, have fun with it, do random stuff, build random things. Please stop crucifying Koroks and just enjoy the game for what it is. And I can pretty much guarantee that you'll have a blast. If you did not like Breath of the Wild, I don't think you are going to like Tears of the Kingdom, unfortunately. You might. There are more stuff to do. So you might not get so distraught into like, where should I go? What should I do? You'd be like, oh, there's so much to do. I'm a bit little, I might even get a little bit overwhelmed with the things that I can do in Tears of the Kingdom. So that is my two cents at the end of the day. I enjoyed my time in Hyrule. Um, and I am very grateful for my time in Hyrule in Tears of the Kingdom. So that is it. Uh, in terms of Tears of the Kingdom, um, not much that I've been playing except for Tears of the Kingdom um, and the Lies of P demo, which I already talked about in the news segment. Um, and of course, some Street Fighter now and then, um, playing through the uh, world tour mode and, uh, and getting some practice in, in Fighting Ground, uh, going through like the arcade mode. Um, it's really fun. I, again, love playing with modern controls because it does really remind me of smash brothers uh of playing smash brothers so uh yeah um maybe i'll talk more about street fighter 6 uh in the coming uh weeks or months um so yeah look forward to that and with that we have come to the end of another episode of game rivals this one is a pretty hefty one almost feels old school despite the fact that it's just me um but thank you so much for listening to this episode i appreciate all you rivals out there of course you can find me on our home on spotify uh you can also find me on every other podcasting service uh apple podcast google podcast overcast po uh uh pocket cast you name it you probably can find game rivals there um if you have any feedback uh you can always send feedback at GameRivalsFeedback at gmail.com. Um, like I stated at the top of the show, I am looking for a new semi-permanent or permanent co-host uh, to uh, 
to record Game Rivals with. So if you are interested or know someone who might be interested in co-hosting a gaming-related podcast, uh, please let me know uh, through uh, game, game Rivals feedback at gmail.com or on, uh, on Twitter, Twitter uh, at game underscore rivals underscore or directly at me at Maximilian, uh, Maximilian with an E uh, instead of an I. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram, which is at Maximilian underscore X uh, or on TikTok at Maximilian underscore X there as well. And of course, you can find me on Twitch usually every Tuesday and Thursday from 8 p.m. Central European summertime. Uh, yeah, I think that is it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Game Rivals. I have been and always will be Maximilian X, and I'll catch all you beautiful rivals next time. Later.